Hi, and welcome to another episode of Raising His Kids, a podcast for stepmoms. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren, a child-free stepmom of one, hoping for an hour's baby soon. And I'm Tony, a bio mom of two and a stepmom of two. We are two stepmoms who, although we live at opposite ends of the world, quickly bonded over how we all deal with the same Karen as we navigate our lives raising his kids. Welcome back to Raising His Kids podcast. Um, I am your host, Lauren, and today we have Nina with us, and we are discussing stepmom infertility. So thank you for being here. Good morning. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here this morning. Yes, me too. And this is... um. I wouldn't say it's like been like a highly requested topic, but the people who have requested it have like asked a couple times. So um, I'm excited to finally be able to talk about this. Yeah, um, one thing I, I would do, yeah, it is, and it's so stressful. Um, even if you're not a stepmom, it's such like a hard topic. But I feel like being a stepmom for me makes it a little bit harder. It does, and then stress does not help the situation, right? <laughs> right, exactly. You have the snowball. Um, Exactly. I do want to say we are both expecting, so um, we have overcome this. For me, it has made it a little bit easier to talk about now that it, all my efforts have finally paid off because I worked on it yeah. for so long. <laughs> so um, I don't know that I could have done this while I was still trying. Yeah, that's a really good point, Lauren. And I think that anybody, for anybody listening, I hope that instead of it, you know, it's a sore subject sometimes, right? So yes. I, I, my hope would be that it gives hope two other stepmoms listening that there is another side of this, right? Right. Come out and survive. And, <laughs> and have yes, to that's kind of how I looked at it while I was still trying to where it was just like, okay, well, if it happened for her, it could happen for us too. Right. So that's what um, I like to put out there is that like, there's hope for all of us. And we are actually both in a group text on Instagram um, yes. for stepmoms trying to conceive. So uh, we made some friends in there too, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. I have to give you all the credit for that because first of all, that is the most life-giving group and anybody, you know, here, I guess the first kind of piece of advice is find your tribe, right? Because without yeah. that support, you can easily feel alone. And just, just knowing one or two other stepmoms who are in the same boat as you, it just it takes that I feel crazy factor down a notch. <laughs> yes, it does. When you have people who can relate like to exactly what you're going through, it just makes it so much easier. Yes, absolutely. So I just wanted to share a couple of statistics because I was looking at uh, notes for this show and um, these kind of blew me away. So in the United States, among married women, 15 to 49, with no prior births, I don't know why they did this study on 15-year-olds. That seems inappropriate. But um, <laughs> one in five um, are unable to get pregnant after one year of trying. Wow. I didn't realize it was that high. One in five yeah. seems like a lot. It, it, it definitely does. And I think it it's, it's kind of got two sides to it, right? Because it normalizes it and it makes you feel that you're not, you know, you're not abnormal, but at the same time, I think it can even trigger more fear because the commonality of it is, you know, oh my gosh, this is happening so frequently. What if I'm one of those people? Yeah. I, um, I, when I started putting like all my stuff out there on my blooming stepmom account, I got messages where people are like, oh, I'm getting married next year. And I'm terrified this is going to happen to me. And like, yeah. so many people are afraid of it. It's crazy. I think that's a really, really good point because I'll say for me, that was the mindset that I went into my journey to get pregnant with. And it's sort of like you're, you're already starting from a, a place of, uh, 
uncertainty or doubt of your body. And that can be really, really hard. And I think especially as a stepmom, there's a, a greater tendency to start from that place of yeah. fear. I agree. And I've had uh, trouble balancing my hormones since I was in high school. So I went into this with like, I wouldn't say it was a fear, but it was definitely in the back of my mind that it was possible that it was going to take me a long time. So I feel yeah. like it's almost like you're putting that into your body anyway when when you like have that fear. There's immediate pressure um, as a stepmom. Yes. That's different than when you are in a, you know, a first marriage relationship with no existing children. There's just an immediate added on a uh, pressure factor, unfortunately. There is. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. And it, it just makes it so much more difficult than it really needs to be. And not, it's not even like my husband put no pressure on me. I feel like it was right. me putting pressure on me. So it's like all internal. It's, yes. it's just such a crazy experience. It is. That's such a good point. Yeah. So you can easily get in your own head from the start. And and so I think the first thing is just take stock of what story you're telling yourself, right? Like what beliefs right. you already have when you're going into this. Yes. That is such a good way to say that. I love that. Um, so another one is that one in four women in the group of 15 to 49 year olds have difficulty getting pregnant and carrying a pregnancy to term, which is also called impaired fidelity. I have no idea how to say this word, but I didn't even know that was a term at all. But so one in four women, even if you can get pregnant, you have trouble carrying that pregnancy to Being term. Pregnant. Yeah, you know, and I think that's, gosh, I mean, these uh, typically I think statistics are just statistics, right? And we can't live and die by the statistics. But I will say that to, to give them some credit, I, I felt the same way. I think, you know, getting pregnant is one thing. And then once you get pregnant, what they don't talk about is the fear of staying pregnant. Yes. So you sort of go through all these phases as a, especially as a stepmom where you're like, can I even get pregnant? There's already pressure. Then if I get pregnant, am I going to have a miscarriage? And all that added stress obviously doesn't help to prevent miscarriage. So there's there's sort of like the stats that we, that we, it's good to know about, but then also, you know, not letting those stats rule your life. Right. Because they can even worse. (laughs) Definitely. The The main reason I wanted to share them was because it just surprised me how common it was because when, before I found you guys, I felt completely alone in this. Like yeah. I didn't personally know anyone who was going through it, or at least I didn't know they were going through it. So I felt completely alone in this. So these stats kind of make it seem like, or they show you that you're not alone. Yes. It's normal. It's not, it's not, a. it's not, um, it's not what you would want, but it's normal. And I think that just in general, being a stepmom, people can't typically understand what you're going through. Right. I mean, you try to explain your stepmom journey to your best friend, your mom, your sister, they want to be helpful, but they just cannot fully grasp it. And it's the exact same thing, Lauren, when it comes to being a stepmom trying to conceive, there's a special dynamic here that only the <laughs> The people in this elite club of <laughs> stepmomhood can can really get. So yeah, those those stats can just make you feel again less crazy. <laughs> yes. And I feel like sometimes that's all you need. Like even like not even in the infertility part of my life, but just the stepmom part. There were times when I was like, I just need someone to tell me that I'm not being completely insane right now. And sometimes yeah. that's all you need. 
Yes. The validation is important. And I think sometimes, you know, we want to get it from our husbands or our partners, but they have a different perspective and they may be compassionate, understanding. They can be the best partners, but the dynamic as the female is something that is really unique to understand. It is. Me and my husband had arguments about this, like in the beginning of our relationship, because I expected him to be able to put himself in my shoes and like understand. And that's not really realistic, honestly. But like, I would be like, why can't you just like at least pretend to understand how difficult this is? And um, we used to like argue about that all the time until I like got myself together and figured it out myself. But um, that there's definitely um, a challenge there with trying to get your partner to understand because you want him to be the one that you lean on, but he just doesn't understand it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's why avenues like your podcast are so important and and so helpful because when you're around other women who get it, I think you you can expect a little bit less from your partner in that aspect. And so then. True. You have the camaraderie and the community and the support, which sometimes the validation that your feelings are valid or these really unique situations that we go through as stepmoms that you're going to say, oh, you'll never believe what happened. Like, and then, and then I talk to you and tell you about it and you're like, oh no, this similar thing happened to me. It's just so helpful. It is. And it's something you don't really get from your friends if your friends aren't stepmoms where you could go to them with almost anything else. But if they're not step parents, they're not going to understand that. Right. That's it's true. a very interesting um, dynamic. And I feel like we could go on and on about just being just the challenges of being a stepmom. So, I mean, there's so much to it. It's mm-hmm. it's so insane. It's not something I expected before I became a stepmom. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you just, I mean, people say this all the time in the stepmom world, like you knew what you were getting yourself into, but you never do. <laughs> you don't, no. <laughs> no, and one of the other um, like stigma things I wanted to talk to, about, to you about is when people say like, oh, why aren't your stepkids enough? You have stepkids. And no one ever says that to a bio mom who wants a second kid. So I, nobody's ever said that to me directly, thankfully, but I've seen like a lot online about it. And it's like, it just seems so like insensitive and rude. And why is there a double standard for stepmoms versus bio moms on literally everything? On everything. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a stepmom, you're already giving your life and your heart to a man with with a child or multiple children, and you're making sacrifices in and of itself right there. And then there's this feeling or this guilt of, you know, how you feel about your stepchild relationship sometimes. And the the feeling that you want your own biological child is completely normal. Yeah. Um, everyone, you know, not everyone, everyone, but most people at some point, they at least consider it. Right. And right. so to, to, to make a statement that as a stepmom, that you should feel that your stepchild is enough. It's really not, it's not fair. <laughs> it's, no. It's fair acting more out of a stepmom than you would out of any other woman. <laughs> Which is like such a common theme. It seems it's just so crazy that like people will always say like bio moms can complain about their kids, but if a stepmom complains about the same kid, it's a huge problem. Like we have them just as often as you do. We have to deal with the same things as you do, but we can't complain. Yeah. And there's, and there's a bonding experience that happens between a mother and child, which is why so many of us do, you know, yearn to have our own babies. Right. And so you, you want to be able to experience that. And I think that that's completely normal. And, but along the way, as we struggle with infertility or the wondering of whether it's going to happen for us, I think that that 
that comes up as a, a, a feeling of like guilt or shame or, you know, am I not being grateful for what I do have? Um, yeah. that, I think that's very, very common. It definitely is common. And um, one of our other co-hosts, Madison, she has, her stepson has um, disabilities. So they're debating having a baby, even though she wants one so bad, because he just takes up all of their time and energy. And they don't know if it'd be fair to have another one. And that is where I don't know how, like, I feel like she's just a much stronger person than me, because I don't know if I could give that up for stepkids, like to just never have that opportunity. It's a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, tough decision. And I I just, being a stepmom is rooted in a lot of sacrifice for sure. Yes, it is. But I don't think that's one that I could make personally. Yeah. Cause I made sure with my husband before we got serious that he was like, I, I was like, I don't need you to tell me that you're going to have a baby with me immediately, but I need our end game to be the same. Mm-hmm. And, and that you're willing to have more kids. If you're not, I can't be in this relationship because it was yeah. like always an important thing for me. So if I was in her position, I just like, I feel like it would rip me apart because I just don't know what I could do. Yeah. And I think on the flip side, a lot of stepmoms deal with the the heaviness of when you do get married to someone who has kids, you know that they're already a dad, right? They're, right. And hopefully it's because you see that they're a good father. I know with my husband, one of the reasons I was attracted to him and decided to get into this specific situation was because I saw how he was as a father and I wanted somebody who wanted to have a family. So I think that then there becomes this pressure expectation on the flip side, like to your point, you come together with your spouse and say, we're agreeing that this is the type of life we want. We do want to have more children you know, seeing him as a father is one of the attraction factors. And then to, to come up short with the ability to get pregnant, it's it's almost like you feel, am I keeping up my end of the bargain? Cause you know, that he's already, you know, had children. Right. That was something that was really hard for me because I was like, I put so much pressure on myself. I was like, my body's meant for this and I'm failing at it. Like, it was just so hard. And my husband's like, you don't know that it's you. It's like, we do know it's me because you already have one. So like, we have proof that it's not you, Um, which I know a lot could happen in like the five years or whatever. But And I do want to say that for anybody listening, that it's a common misconception. So there's a difference between feeling like, okay, my husband's already had children. So there's this pressure on me because he's done it before. But I know in my infertility journey, one of the things that I learned from the doctors is that just because somebody (laughs) was making babies five years ago does not always mean that they're still, you know, completely healthy with their fertility. So you're totally right that things can change. And once I did that research and I heard from my doctor, it gave me a little bit more comfort and it made me feel like the responsibility truly was 50-50. Yeah, I agree because something I didn't even realize was that men have literally just as many factors as women do as far as what could make them struggle with their fertility too. So it seems like there's always pressure on the women, but it genuinely could be either of you. That's so, that's so important. And I think we need to change the conversation about that because when you do the research, in fact, they say that a lot of the placenta comes from the father, um, you know, the tendency towards miscarriage, a lot of times can be driven by the father's DNA. 
um, and, you know, the epigenetics of the baby being conceived is, is very heavily influenced by the dad. So we, we need to look at the facts and, and <laughs> take some of the pressure off of ourselves, but it, it can be hard to do in that step parent dynamic because you can physically see the kids in front of you yeah. that you created. And then you add on the factor of, you know, the X and <laughs> that yeah. No, that was also something that was hard for me too, that, um, him and his ex got pregnant immediately. Like they literally were like, oh, we should have a baby. Okay. Now we're pregnant. And so it felt so, I put so much pressure on myself and I feel like that probably had something to do with why it took us so long to actually conceive Mm -hmm. because I was putting pressure on myself for everything and everything tells you to avoid the stress. Like don't put stress on yourself. It's just so hard to avoid it. When you have all of these factors as a stepmom, especially that are putting pressure on you. And it's just so, it's so difficult. Yeah. I mean, you're starting out at a completely different square one than most couples who decide to have a baby, right? I mean, your ideal scenario is you meet somebody, you fall in love with them, you get married, you get a few years to yourself to get to know each other, and you settle down, you get financially secure, and you then decide, right, to try to conceive. But when you're in a step family, all those pieces are turned completely upside down. You're still usually recovering or trying to build back from someone having a broken relationship. I mean, in my case, I was previously married no children. My husband um, was briefly married, but also had, you know, had my stepdaughter um, in a kind of unplanned situation. And so you have all these different life factors coming in, right? So that you're just trying to like, <laughs> you're trying to just get stabilized as a step family with all those added things that most couples don't typically have. So I think it's so important to give yourself grace because you're dealing with just so much more. And the foundation of your relationship already has, you know, another person in it who you didn't make together. So it's, it's, I think just being aware of the challenges helps because it's, it's not the the norm. I totally agree. And being aware of the challenges before you go into it uh, would probably help a lot, but I was not. So I can't really speak on that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just when you find yourself in this situation, I mean, if anyone's listening and they're thinking like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize there's, you're already feeling all these other added things, you know, not to mention you are taken care of probably to some extent another child that's not your biological child um or at minimum if you're not a you know full-time step parent you're dealing with that dynamic and that dynamic is in and of itself a stress factor yes absolutely um do you feel comfortable sharing how long uh you guys tried to conceive Sure. Yeah. Um, I, so we got married, we kind of had a short uh, time period dating. We got married, um, in May of 21. And so we, Oh, really? It was May. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's funny during COVID how things accelerate, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) So we, you know, started not, um, preventing pregnancy immediately. And part of the factor for me, and, you know, maybe other people can relate who are a little bit older as stepmoms is I'm 38 now. So 
on top of all the normal infertility questions, I also had the age factor. So I, um, we started not preventing immediately just because I had this feeling in the back of my mind of, you know, my age, which our medical, (laughs) our medical system will make you feel really extra concerned about for, you know, for no reason. So we, again, you're starting from behind because you're already thinking there's these things coming against me. Um, but so it took us from then until October of 22 to conceive. So I would say technically, what was that? May to May. So about a little less than a year and a half, Okay. but gosh, there was so many ups and downs there. Right. So I did get, I did get pregnant, um, in October and I was trying to get pregnant that entire time. However, I will say that there's, there's months where you're not, um, actively trying to prevent pregnancy. And then there was a time frame where I really started to get more intentional about it. And I would right. say that time frame was more like a six month period. Um, and okay. I really had to make some changes at that point. And I think because of the changes that I made, then I, you know, we, we had the result in the pregnancy. Do you mean like changes to your lifestyle? Lifestyle and mindset, to be honest. I mean, I think I, I always had a pretty healthy lifestyle. Um, I, the first thing I did, which I'm sure a lot of, you know, if, if people are listening, they're, they're on the hunt too for answers. And so I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research on diet, you know, all the things we talk about in our set moms group, right? Like nutrition, um, supplements, lifestyle changes, learning to time your ovulation, right? So you kind of become more and more of an expert. Yeah. (laughs) And you start to explore those different things. But I think that what really sort of like moved the needle for me and made it click was honestly, when I started to look at my stepmom situation a little bit differently and handle (laughs) myself a little bit differently, because there's such a a, uh, expectation that we put on ourselves, especially if you're a perfectionist, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I am to be this like superhero stepmom. Yeah. But meanwhile, you're trying to focus on your fertility and getting pregnant and you're supposed to be relaxing and eating right and doing all these things. And I really had to, um, make a shift to start to put myself first a little bit more. And that's tough. (laughs) It is tough. That's a, that's something that I started doing too. And it is really hard, especially when it's like your family, you love them and you want to help them. And now you're like putting yourself first, which seems selfish, but it's not, it's like necessary. It's so true. And I, I heard on one of your recent episodes, you were talking about the, the nacho methodology a little bit where, you know, you sort of take a, a step back from, from your stepchildren. And I, I, I think somebody on your show was, was commenting. Like I was like, not in my house, you know, right. That's not going to be me, but, and I still don't, you know, I still am very involved. I'm a full-time stepmom. So my stepdaughter lives with us, um, goes to school here and she has, you know, visitation a couple, you know, a couple days a month with her mom. So that full-time parenting role was really, and, and I also work full-time. So that was a lot. And I think that, you mentioned putting yourself first, it, instead of making it feel selfish over time, I realized that it was breeding resentment. Right. You no. Know? And, and so like when you're feeling bitterness, when you're feeling tapped out, you're 
typically over functioning and giving yeah. too much. It's such a good point. Yeah. And that's something that it's just not put out there enough that even bio, like bio moms who aren't stepmoms, if you're feeling burnt out, then you need to like make some changes, take some time for yourself and be there to support yourself because it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking if you're feeling burnt out, it is for a reason, you know, if if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, your heart's in your throat and you're, you feel like you're about to cry or you're so stressed at the end of the day that you're miserable. You can't, you can't judge yourself based on how much did I get done? Like I should be here and I'm falling short. I think everybody has different capacities. Oh yeah. Different life seasons. Those capacities can change. And so I started thinking about it as, you know what, maybe I have less capacity in this season. Maybe I don't need to be the perfect stepmom who makes the baked goods for the birthday. Maybe it's okay if something's store-bought, you know, you have to figure out like, where can you let go and not make your productivity, your identity? Yes. So well said. I love that. (laughs) It's, It's not easy if you put, if you get your value from what you do, you know, and how much you can, especially like as being a, um, like an oldest child in my family, like kind of taking control over things and managing things. I think a lot of women can relate. That's where you get your sense of accomplishment from. Yeah. And like, at least for me, I feel like it's like necessary sometimes with like my family, like my parents and my siblings or my family, like my husband and my stepson, where it's like, if I don't manage these people, nobody's going to. So amen. So that's really (laughs) tough. Yeah, it is hard. And my husband's away on a work trip this weekend. And he was like, oh, these people like he went with like a couple guys from his his specific branch of his company and he's like oh I have to manage them because nobody's like doing anything so if I don't do it nobody will I was like (laughs) welcome to my life (laughs) like that's how I feel about everything (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah and you know it's a whole nother podcast episode but the conversation about being the default parent and then being a stepmom default parent is very you know it's just wild but At the end of the day, you have to look at the situation with your fertility journey and say, what is my true goal? Is my goal for my house to not have any dog hair on the floor and, you know, everything to be pristine? Or is my goal that I enjoy my life? I enjoy my family because what is, what is the purpose of all of it anyway? Right? Like if you're striving and striving and yet your fertility is struggling, your cortisol levels are up, then you're really not working towards what your true goals are anyway. Right. That is so true. Uh, So I just want to jump into some listener questions. So we have time to do them if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So this one isn't a question, but it just made me sad. She said, no question, just sad. And I just want to send her love from, I mean, me, but us, um, us. because I know how hard it is. It's really, really tough. I think the not, the not knowing is, yes, is very tough because you don't know if that positives around the corner or if it's a year away or if it's never. And that is a hard place to live in. It's a very hard place to live in for sure. And you're right. The whole not knowing is just like what, and then with every cycle, it's like, oh, didn't happen again. Like, like feeling like negatively again. So it's hard. Yeah. There's a scripture that says hope deferred makes your heart grow sick. And I always think about that, that statement, like 
when you're hoping in something and you keep getting let it down and let down, it truly does make your heart ache because you don't know what to hold on to anymore, you know? Right. It's, it's sad. And I just would say, yeah, I'm so sorry that she's feeling that way. And I think we we've all been there. Yeah. I think mindset shifts, um, are really important. I wouldn't really know how to go about advising people to do it. And I think that's a personal thing, but maybe just look into shifting your mindset about the whole thing. And I think finding something that you can put your hope in is important. You know, um, it may not be in this guarantee of pregnancy, but maybe it's in the fact that you do have your step. I mean, I think it's okay to embrace the concept of both and right. You can really want a biological child and that's okay. And you can still try to start to find more joy in your existing family dynamic. And I, I, I think balancing those two is, is what can help us to have hope in when month after month, you're getting that, that negative and being feeling so let down. Right. I totally agree with you. So the next one is how to deal with waiting. High conflict bio mom keeps having kids and it's hard not to be envious. Ooh, that is hard, especially when all you want is what, you know, a high conflict bio mom is getting. Absolutely. Especially if they're misbehaving. Yeah. Feeling of envy can creep in. For sure. You know, I mean, I think in your head, you can tell yourself, you know what, that's a toxic emotion that is going to not serve me and bring me down. And, and, you know, I think shifting to the belief that whatever's for me is going to come to me at the right time can be helpful. Um, but yeah. And I think just realizing that you don't want to be in the bio mom's shoes. (laughs) Yeah. So true. That is a really good point. I do. Um, I can relate to that though. When we were trying, it was like, I had like the whole why her and not me mentality Mm -hmm. sometimes when things are really dark. So I can relate to her definitely feeling like that, but it's not healthy at all. You know, the other part of it too is, and I can only speak from my own experience, but when you see a bio mom behaving in a way that is different than how you would choose to parent, and you feel like if I just had a baby, I would do blank or, you know, there's a lot of dysfunction that you see a lot of times in these situations. And so seeing someone being given a child, which is a gift, and then maybe not stewarding that gift in the way that you would, it can be, um, yeah, that can be extra confusing to, you know, and you sort of get to that place where I just, I don't have all the answers as to why one person <laughs> gets to have a child. And then, uh, you know, here I am left waiting and wondering, it's, it's just one of those life mysteries that can easily make us, um, really sad and resentful. Yeah, definitely. And as unhealthy as being envious is, it is a normal emotion. So I do think we need to um, give ourselves a little grace on that too, if we're feeling that way. It is. And the other thing too, I would say is for to encourage yourself is the impact that you can have on your stepchildren in the waiting season. You know, I think that you're in your stepchildren's life for a reason. And you have something unique to contribute and you might not be their biological mom, but you are a mom. You are right. a mom, you know, totally. and you didn't have your baby yet and you're waiting on your baby. But I think embracing the identity that you are a mom, you're not some, you know, half free, just <laughs> like that <laughs> mom who, who gets like the scraps, I think owning and feeling comfortable in your stepmom role and realizing that you are adding so much value to your stepkids and you're right. fulfilling 
you know, a part of their life that they would not have without you. You know, like if their dad was single, then when, when that child is with the dad, they would be missing, you know, that motherly figure. So you're already honing your mom skills while you're in the waiting period. And, you know, you're, you're getting all this extra practice, which is, um, it's just, it's, I think it helps you to feel like you're not just wasting your time in those months when you're waiting. True. That's a really good way to look at that. I know, um, for me, I struggled a lot with having my stepson, uh, mostly around the holidays for some reason and being like, I want to play Santa for my kids. Like I want to like do all the, and like my family's really big on family traditions around Christmas time and my stepson couldn't participate in them because we can't take him out of state. It's a whole mm-hmm. thing. But, um, um, but yeah, so it's hard for me to be like, I want to do these with my, these things with my kids and. I can't, and I can't even do that with my stepson. So around the holiday was like the hardest point for me, um, with my infertility personally. I think that that is, that's so normal because you have all these hopes and dreams for your life. Right. And, 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 you know, as much as I'm saying that you have so much value to contribute as a stepmom, you also can only impact so much. Right. And you can't, it's hard. Yeah, it's a really hard balance. And I feel like if you can find it, then it changes everything. But it is hard to find. It is. You have to just, you know, do your best and then sort of let go. (laughs) Right. So true. Yeah. But I mean, especially in like a full-time stepmom situation, do you feel like it was easier or harder overall when you were trying for your own? Um, I think that we have a family dynamic that's almost more like a nuclear family, perhaps in that way. I think that I was fortunate to avoid a lot of the um, sort of like the resentment that can come with the stepchild and the baby. I mean, at least so far, right? When the baby comes, I'm sure we'll cross that bridge. But um, I think that there was more of a nuclear family feel for us because of that. And I felt like everybody was, you know, we, we were all rooting together to get pregnant, But I also do think that one of the hardest parts that maybe some moms can relate to is that when you're giving your all to your stepchild, stepchildren are still children and they may never treat you like their real, real mom. I'm using air quotes. Right. And so, gosh, it can feel thankless because you might be going out of your way to love this child and to provide for this child, to take care of them in the same way, with the same quality that you would your own child. And at the end of the day, there's just a love for the biological mother that, you know, of course you want to encourage, you want them to have a good relationship with their mom, but on the flip side, you're giving, you're giving and giving, and you're not getting back the same unconditional love necessarily that a biological mom receives. So I think that does put a little hole in your heart because you, you kind of get this like little bad voice in the back of your head, like reminding you like, well, you're not the real mom, you know, that to me, like that imposter syndrome with stepmom being a stepmom and infertility of like, it's not my own baby. I think that can be something that easily gets in your head and, and that that's a tough part. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, hearing you say that makes it like feel like natural that we want our own biological child because 
like, doesn't matter what you do for your stepkids. Sometimes they're never going to love you the way they love their biological mom. And we want that experience also. And it's completely natural. Yeah. And I think that there's also so many questions that come with, um, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, even the way you discipline or the way you feel about your stepchild when they misbehave or when they do something good, it's like, you sort of are always thinking, is this the way I would feel with my bio kid? Or what would it be like with my bio kid? Would I have more patience with my own baby? Am I going to be a better mom to that kid? Like, I think that there's a lot of frustrations that stepmoms experience. And at least for me, I've definitely had those moments of self-doubt. Like, am I even going to be a good mother? When I know I, I know I try to give my stepdaughter the world, but you get these feelings like, am I, am I going to be a good mother? Because there's so many other dynamics that are clouding your stepmom environment and clouding the dynamic of your family unit. It's just different. It is. And I ask myself those questions all the time, even still, I'm like always asking what the differences are going to be. So I'm very interested to see how I react with my own baby. Yeah. It's a good question, right? How are you going to feel? And, and I think, and that's why I think as women, we have this yearning because you have a taste of motherhood. You have a bit of responsibility of motherhood, but without all the benefits of the ownership. So no wonder our hearts ache for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So our next one is I've had multiple miscarriages when it comes to planning for an ours baby. I played it off as though it wouldn't be a big deal if we didn't have an ours baby, but secretly I was concerned it wasn't going to happen. And I was scared to share that with my husband. Yeah. I've been there too. I was, I didn't share it with my husband, my emotion, like how deep my emotions were at first. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard because I think sometimes men can be you know, hesitant with big emotions. They just don't always know how to hold space for them. Yeah, and, um, you know, they don't mean it, but yeah, I, I, I feel for that. That's really hard to share. It is. And it's really hard to share that vulnerability, even with someone who, you know, you can be vulnerable with, especially if your partner's role is to, is to be a positive one. Like if you have a husband who's saying it's going to happen and you know, you're going to be fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And you know, when it's the right time, it's going to happen. It's like, that's really nice to have a cheerleader, but on the flip side, sometimes it can almost be like infuriating or frustrating because you just sometimes need to sit in your feelings and, and feel again, that validation of like, yeah, this is really, really, really hard to go through. Yeah. And I totally feel that because my husband was the cheerleader and I appreciate him. I seriously do. But Mm -hmm. being like in my shoes, I was like, you're not feeling this as heavily as me because you already have one. That wasn't true. Like he wanted another kid, like just as bad as I did. But in my head at the time, I was like, you're not feeling this as hard as me because you've already had this experience. And uh, that was hard for me to get past. And get through the facts and understand that he was hurting just as bad as I was. Yeah. And I think the the thing that tips the scales is the weight of the performance being on your body, right? Yeah. And we tend to feel like we're actually physically failing every month that we don't get that positive. And that's something that they will just never be able to fully embrace because they will never be able to have that experience. Right. That is true. And we, we both got tested and like, they were like, 
there's nothing really wrong with either one of you. So it was just unexplained, like unexplained infertility. So I, I just took the blame and that was all on me. It, it just took a long time and we don't know why. Yeah. How long did it end up taking you at the end of the day? Uh, oh, just over two years. Yeah. 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 So unknown sometimes, you know, which unknown can be yeah. even more frustrating. It, it was because it's like, okay, so there's literally nothing we can do because you don't know why. So that was really frustrating. I feel like people are going to think people think I'm crazy when I say this, but I swear what like changed for us is that I, we took all like the harsh chemicals out of our house and yeah. I did a lot of research on this. So it was like, it's like, um, estrogen disruptors that yeah. could be in like your cleaning supplies, your shampoo. Two months after I took all of those chemicals out of my house is when it happened for us. So that's the advice I give to everybody. I, I swear that is why. That is absolutely one of the main factors. I think there's so many anecdotal stories that would confirm that. For sure. The other thing too, I think is, I mean, regulating your hormones is this, what you, what you just shared, but even regulating yeah. your hormones in your sleep, your food, all of those things. And I can't take credit for this idea, but I've heard some of the fertility specialists that I really listen to that have shared that we have to understand that the modern world that we live in is not set up for su- setting us up for success with our fertility. So oh, yeah. the time we amount of time we sleep in this country, the foods that we're putting in our bodies, the having a co- coffee on an empty stomach, you know, the, all these things that seem normal when you start to change them, people think you're, you know, a weirdo for, for yeah. going against the green, but then you have to wonder what the, why the f- fertility stats are the way they are in this country. So I absolutely think that there's, there's a lot of hope in making those changes over time. And there's just a lot of really good resources out there and you don't have to feel overwhelmed. Just pick one at a time and, and just start to make some changes and, and uh, experiment and see, you know, what might work for you, make you feel better. Definitely. And even if you just start at like cutting out processed foods and increasing your vegetable intake, that will do wonders for you too. So um, you don't have to start, you don't have to do everything all at once. Yeah. And I think that also it's, you know, knowledge is power. So the more, you know, you know, you can't beat yourself up about the past, but you can also think I'm making some changes that when I do have my precious baby in this world, you know, I'm not going to be cooking on a toxic, toxic pans anymore, or we're going to be using less plastics or it's all there's, there's a million different things you can do. There's a million different toxins in our environment. Oh yeah. It does help. And so, you know, if you're looking for something to put your energy into in the waiting season, you're, you're, you're not going to be wasting your time. You're still going to be investing in an overall better, healthy environment for your family. Definitely. And uh, that taught me so much about looking at the ingredients and all this baby stuff. And I'm realizing that like things that are aimed at like four babies are not as healthy as they make you think. So that, um, that definitely benef- uh, benefited me in like the long run too. Yeah, I think, I mean, we could have a whole nother conversation about this, but it helps you to become more of a free thinker, I think, as you do your research and you learn more and more about the things that we just take for granted as safe and normal that might not be. And so one of the beautiful things about the infertility journey that I, you know, I can embrace this being on the other side and I know it's not as easy um, when you're still in it, but I've learned so much. I've learned how to support my body in a more natural way how to feel better. 
and just listening to your body, being gentle with yourself, like, you know, slowing your life down, paying attention to the way that your body was designed with your cycle and your hormones. Like those are beautiful things that you're doing for you also, not right. just you're trying to have a baby, but you're, you're, you're investing back in you. And I think if you look at it that way, it can make it a more just a more rewarding experience. Yes, I completely agree. And that's a, a really good point. Again, like what I get from that is that it's like about your mindset. So changing your mindset, I feel like can help a lot, but whatever you're doing in what you call the waiting season, and I love that uh, term for it, um, it will help you in the long run too. So you just got to be patient. <laughs> yeah. And I think coming from a place of, you know, you said mindset, but like, like loving yourself, you know, not coming from a place of punishing your body and punishing yourself and going, I'm a failure. My body's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. But if you can turn that around and say like, how can I support my body? How can I support my mental wellness? How can I support my marriage in this season? And, and try to, you know, even just when you're trying monthly, like with your husband, spending that intimate time together, like instead of letting it be this, you know, quick, we have to hurry up and, and do it before, cause it's my time frame, Like you're trying to make a baby out of love. And I think keeping yeah. that at the forefront of your mind in the way that you treat yourself and your family during this season, it can help to just, gosh, it's still going to be hard, but you can make it about your growth to wholeness versus why you're, you know, a shattered person or why, why you're missing something or what, you know, you're, you're contributing to becoming a stronger woman in the process. Yes, that's so true. And something that I was always very mindful of was that I didn't want that intimacy with my husband to become like a chore um, just because like we were like trying for a baby now. Um, I always wanted it to just be like what it was and like special and all of that. Um, So I definitely recommend slowing down and not making everything you're doing seem like you're doing it as like a punishment or a chore or anything like that. You're just doing it for yourself and your fam- your family to make everyone's life better. Yeah, it's so good, especially with step families. I think that our marriages tend to be on shakier ground sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, you come in, you come into a second family, hopefully more enlightened, learning from the mistakes of the past. But at the same time, there's just uncontrollable dynamics that cause much more stress on a marriage. And so I think you have to have a, a, a keen awareness as a stepmom that, you know, the marriage is fragile. Your spouse already has one lost relationship and there's wounds that come with that. And so making sure that we keep the marriage, the priority is, gosh, it's, it's so important because the baby is a beautiful result, but if the marriage is, you know, tanking because of it, then, you know, what are we even doing it for? Right. Yes. I'm a huge advocate for putting your marriage first. And even like with a bio kid, I think that while she's an infant, it's going to be harder to always put your marriage first. But over the years, like as she becomes like less dependent, I feel like it's so important to keep your marriage at the forefront of everything because that's, I mean, that's why we're all here. It's like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. a stepmom because I want to be with you. So that's so good. Yeah. So true. Uh, okay. So let's just do one more and then we can wrap it up again. Not really a question, but I feel so guilty, but being around my stepkids makes me want to run away and cry. All I want is a baby and the man I love had one with someone else, which we've kind of touched on earlier that 
that is so hard when that's the only thing you want. He's the only person you want. All you want is a baby and he had one with somebody else and you can't have one. That is a really painful part of life. It is. And I just, you know, yeah, my heart goes out to her and I think we've, we've all felt that, you know, I mean, the feelings of conflicting feelings towards the actual stepchild. And as time has gone on, I might've even said this to you in our group chat, but like, I think you realize that your feelings towards your stepchild are very intertwined sometimes with the feelings towards their mother. Yes. I know for me, you know, confessions that they are. Um, and I have to constantly work through that, but gosh, I would just say, accept acceptance, accept the situation for what it is. You don't need to pretend it's something it's not. And it's okay that you feel that way. I mean, it's hard to feel that way, but I think, you know, you can own it and you can embrace it, even though it sounds kind of funny to say, oh, embrace that you, that you're feeling guilty. Maybe you're not embracing, you feel guilty, but you embrace the fact that this is hard for you. Um, Being around your stepchild is a trigger to an extent and you just do your, you do your best. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, I think we, we, we pressure ourselves to like feel a certain way about the family dynamic and about the stepkid. And it's not your fault that they're in this situation. Right. That's so true. Like sometimes you want to prevent your stepchild from having to go through consequences of their broken family, but it's not, you didn't create that. You didn't cause it and you actually cannot heal it all on your own. Right. (laughs) So true. Yeah. And I know that it's hard to feel this way, but you also shouldn't feel guilty about feeling that way. There's nothing natural about being a step parent. Like nowhere in nature do, I mean, there are very few instances and those animals end up on the news when they like take care of another like being or species young, there's nothing natural about it. And we're all like learning how to do it. If you need to take a step back from being a stepmom to focus on yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think too, doing, you know, part of what I've been trying to do and since I've been pregnant, especially is do what you want to do. You know, I mean, this is, I say this within reason, but like, if you don't want to make your stepchild lunch every day and it's making you mad that you're doing it and you're then, you know, find a different way. There's do the things that you want to do out of your heart and not out of like this feeling of expectation. And I think, I think that that helps because there's typically like our own husbands aren't even putting that pressure on us to become this superhero stepmom. You know, it's usually us. So yeah, expect less of yourself. Right. That's it's so funny about the whole thing is like, nobody's expecting you to be a super mom except for you. So you're the person that can take the pressure off. Yeah. And you're trying to prove yourself, you know, to yourself really, because the kid is going to, you know, they might appreciate it, but they might not. And your husband right. probably loves you no matter what. And at the end of the day, again, like what's the goal, right? And and if those things are making you, those things are tripping you up or those things are keeping you from investing the time in taking a nap when you need to, taking a bath, reading a book, going on a walk, doing the things that are going to lead you on your fertility journey, then like those things are not, they're not serving you as a step right. parent. They're not serving your step family and they're not really helping the kid either. Exactly. Yep. I totally agree with that. 
Okay, well, I think we are just about out of time, but it would be fun if you wanted to come back later in the summer and we could do an Ars Baby episode. Yes, I'm, you know, it's going to be interesting, all the findings. So uh, I'd definitely be happy to come and report back. And this is just such a, it's such an important topic. And I'm so glad that you have this platform so that women can understand that it's completely normal. <laughs> that yes. You're not alone <laughs> and that you will, you will get through it. <laughs> yes. Um, did you want to share like your Instagram or anything or um, do you not really put that out there? Um, sure. No, I'd be happy to share it. My Instagram is uh, public. It's uh, at uh, Miss ms underscore nina n-i-n-a dot marie m-a-r-i-e and um yeah i would absolutely love to connect with anybody who wants to chat commiserate needs a little encouragement (laughs) so feel free to include that and uh yeah i mean i think we just have to band together as a community and uh and support each other because it's uh it's not an easy job no it is not Um, Well, I really appreciate you coming on here and we'll tag you and everything so everyone can connect with you on your own platform also. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Lauren. I've loved having this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. And that is all we have for the Stepmom Infertility episode today. We could keep going on and on about this topic and um, we would love to keep the conversation going over on our Instagram. And I want to remind you again about our Facebook group. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a review. Thank you.